1: Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer you questions, give you DB's advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and ASU Wimbledon. John, Groundhogs Day is upon us. Yeah. And uh, I, I've recently discovered that groundhogs and woodchucks are the same thing. And also, I recently discovered that woodchucks. When they're male, are called he-chucks, and when they're female, they're called she-chucks. And when a she-chuck decides to devote her life to religious service, that's called a nunchuck. <laughs> How much of that was true? Uh, woodchucks and groundhogs are the same. Okay.
0: But the he, he-chuck and the she-chuck, that's made up, right?
1: Uh, as far as I know, it, it there might be some people who call them he-chucks and she-chucks. I didn't check. Well,
0: I thought the joke was going in a different direction. I thought it was uh-huh. headed for an upchuck uh, <laughs> of some kind. I was no. looking for a vomit-related pun, so I was delighted and surprised by nunchucks. Yeah. It's very funny. yeah. I've never liked Groundhog Day, Hank. I've always thought, except for the film, which I think is wonderful, I've always thought it's a completely BS holiday. And not just for the obvious reason that whether or not a groundhog does or does not see a shadow, which anyway, we can't know because we cannot know (laughs) what the groundhog is seeing. Groundhogs, We can't access groundhog consciousness. Even putting Mm -hmm. that aside, having Uh Groundhog Day on February 2nd and then being like there will or won't be six more weeks of winter is at least in Indiana, and I suspect in Montana, inherently ludicrous because there will be at least six more weeks of winter <laughs> and likely 12 more weeks of winter. Yeah. It it always makes it in my mind on February 2nd, I always think to myself, oh, winter might be nearing an end because it is Groundhog Day. Right. And sometimes that pretends but it's, portends, it's, so, it's, but it, it's February it's so is away. the second worst month winter-wise. Yeah. and. March is the worst
1: because in yeah.
0: March you think it's over and it's just not.
1: Yeah, March is when the, the the names of the months start to get longer but the the weather does not really get warmer, which is yes. it feels to my mind shorter month names, warmer weather and it's like, oh, we're going March, April these names are short. these are short month names and it's like no I live in Montana <laughs> yeah, only May.
0: May is a short month yeah. name. That is also. Then then it's like, all right. That is when it finally relents. And so, what the groundhog should be saying by seeing or not seeing its shadow is there will either be six more weeks of really epically miserable winter or six more weeks of just normal winter.
1: What if the groundhog is saying, either way, just an apology just like here i am everybody look at me my name is phil and i want you to know that i feel bad for you because you are not covered in this ridiculously <laughs> thick awesome coat that i have did you know john for example that of the many names for the groundhog includes the thick wood badger which oh. is great just great do you want to know some other marmot names well they're kind of marmot um Can I just briefly first tell
0: you that I wrote about this in the Anthropocene Reviewed, but I had a long time rivalry, a deep animosity toward a particular groundhog that lived underneath the shed where I keep a lot of my gardening tools. Mm -hmm. And you never know how much you love the ones you hate until they're gone. You know? Oh, yeah. You never know how much that animosity is giving you in terms of life force until suddenly all your edamame is growing with no problem because (laughs) stupid groundhog that was your nemesis didn't make it through last winter because not to take it back to the beginning, last winter lasted forever, even though the groundhog (laughs) ostensibly did not see his shadow.
1: John, I'm going to tell you the names, the various names of groundhogs, and I want you to choose your favorite. Okay. Here are, are names that normal people, not exceptional people, these are just regional names for a groundhog. Yeah. You got a chuck. You got a wood shock. You got mm-hmm. a ground pig. You mm. got a whistle pig, a mm. whistler, a thickwood badger, mm. Canada marmot, a mm. monax or a monac. You got a red monk, a mm. land beaver. Wow. Also, a weenusk. Is what? an option, a what now? and then for a young groundhog, you can call mm-hmm. them chucklings, and that's not something I made up. That's a real thing. I mean, what, uh, what was your favorite? I weenisk by a very <laughs> wide margin. <laughs> it's hard not to go with weenisk. Yeah, I, I mean, like
0: thickwood badger a lot. I mean, for me, we've got weenisk, and then we have like the distance between Jupiter and Mars, and then we have thickwood badger.
1: I like that Red Monk is one of them, which is just like you got Red Monks and you got Nun Trucks. Like they're just, uh, you know, both both devoted their lives to religious service.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're very I, dedicated. I just groundhogs. have to, I just have to tell you something that I uh-huh. just now found out about Groundhog's Day, and it's gonna blow your mind, or at least is it, it nothing to do with winter at all? At least it blew my mind. Okay. Okay so do you know why they say about the shadow that whether he uh-huh. can see his shadow Yeah it's because it's 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 whether it's a sunny day Yeah I didn't know yeah. that. No, I
1: knew this. I thought I it was this.
0: whether or not, like, he glanced over his shoulder and saw his shadow in that single moment that the mayor of Puxetani, Pennsylvania, or whatever, was staring at right. the groundhog on Groundhog Day.
1: Well, is he, If he goes, it's, back- if it's a
0: sunny day on February second, that is a good portend for the rest of the
1: whatever. Which isn't like it. it I uh, no, mean, I'd love to not. see the graph, but I. It, my <laughs> guess is it has nothing to do with it. Like whether it's sunny on a particular day does not influence whether or not the rest of the next six weeks will be cold. Is Groundhog Day? But regardless, does he when he goes back when he goes back in is that mean that it's summer that that like less wind? I thought that that meant it was more because then it was sunny and he runs back in because he sees his shadow.
0: Hank, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a Groundhog Day expert. <laughs> <laughs> just for my just for my own benefit, Hank, how do you spell weenisk? I want you to spell it for me. <laughs>
1: uh it's Mm. w-e-e-n-u-s-k weenisk
0: oh weenisk i'm quite fond (laughs) of i'm also i'm also fond of land beaver because that is what they resemble for me more than anything
1: Uh uh-huh you're like oh that's a beaver and i was like no it's not not in the water yeah (laughs) but they have
0: some similar sure Habits. They're they're both. They're both rodents too. They're big rodents. I'm also pretty fond of the term whistle pig. I don't really know what it means, but I will say that, in my (laughs) opinion, a groundhog is pretty similar to a pig. Not in terms of (laughs) genetically, maybe, but vibe wise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. Like they've got similar vibes. Uh huh. Their energy. It's close to the ground. It's a little waddling.
1: Is similar. Do you know what I, kind of of animal a groundhog is?
0: Is it a socialist?
1: I'm not sure. I, okay. I haven't done a poll. Um, no, I meant, I meant <laughs> among other animals, groundhogs are actually squirrels. Are they really? They really are. They're the largest squirrel by far. Are you kidding? Well, no. I don't know if they're the largest squirrel, but they are are squirrels. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Okay. All right. So this is interesting, Hank, because I was just thinking that, you know how, like, some people vibe-wise are more like squirrels and other people are more (laughs) like groundhogs? Like, you're more of a (laughs) groundhog and I'm more of a squirrel, you know? Hoarding, nervous. Uh, Um, I'm always reminded of that Onion headline, last moments of roadkill squirrel, frantic, comma, indecisive. Like, I have a frantic, indecisive energy, and you have that, like, groundhog, I've seen it all, um, you know, (laughs) the world ain't going to impress me kind of energy. Okay. That's it. That's the joke. I just think, like, I'm more of a squirrel and you're more of a groundhog, but we're both squirrels, man. Deep down, we're both squirrels. Turns out we're both squirrels. We're brothers. It's just you're a big, waddly squirrel and I'm a tiny, nervous (laughs) squirrel inside of a big body.
1: Oh, yeah. They're big squirrels. They're so big. It says, basically, a gigantic North American ground squirrel. Uh, It's funny that none
0: of these... Names for groundhogs come anywhere close to capturing uh, the name that I used for the groundhog that was constantly <laughs> attacking my
1: garden. Which <laughs> was not mentionable on the podcast? <laughs> I, t- I, t- I
0: tended to call it <laughs> I don't know if we can say that on the podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and your negative energy finally got him.
0: I know. And then immediately I was so sad. Oh, well, he'll be okay. He won't be, Hank. That's the whole point. You'll be okay. Oh, no, I also won't be. Do you know, (laughs) and this is going to blow your mind, the fate that awaited the groundhog also awaits me.
1: (laughs) John, I have a couple of questions from our listeners that I want to answer. Great. Great. Okay. Um, and I'm going to get into the first, the second one by ta- asking the first one, which comes from Maya, who asks Dear Hank and John, is it possible for something to have no temperature? Remember, you're going to die in all that, Maya. <laughs> oh, the, Maya, thank you. I, 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 I hadn't thought not. about it since seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the thing about uh, a, a marmot dying in... Uh, John's life is that it just reminds him of his own inevitable mortality.
0: And the thing about Uh, a marmot dying in Hank's life is that it makes him feel nothing. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Look, there's, if, if all marmots lived... Yeah. The, the world would be entirely marmot
0: I know. in like I, four years. Yeah, I I know. I understand. I understand. But I just think it's hilarious that like yeah. you're like, oh, whenever a marmot dies, John thinks about his own mortality. And you think whenever a marmot dies, well, that's not bad. God, that's,
1: I'm not sure. That's which a those thing those that thoughts. occurs. Look, sure. we're different <laughs> people. I'm a a I'm a squirrel or a marmot. No, I'm not sure. You're a marmot. I'm a squirrel. <laughs> okay. Cute. <laughs> Maya, is it possible for something to have no temperature? John, what do you think?
0: I think not because isn't really temperature just I mean, I guess You're it's possible great. for something to have no temperature, but isn't temperature really just energy?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 movement of particles, but also if particles don't move at all, that's still a temperature because yeah, it's, absolutely it's like zero. the lowest, the lowest temperature. Yeah. The the but, but there are things that don't have particles like um a shadow a uh the idea of groundhog's day mm-hmm. um love uh, yeah. um the literal vacuum of space in which a, a pure vacuum in which there are no particles all right. of those things don't have a temperature um but are they things kind of
0: they're not things that are made out of stuff. Like, something that has no temperature, for example, would be the groundhog that died in my <laughs> garden because it doesn't <laughs> Not exist anymore. Not no, its body, body still his, has temperature, his, of course. But, yeah. like, the groundhog <laughs> itself the life force, no longer yeah. exists. Its life force no longer has a temperature. And so I guess you could yeah. say that, like... But did it ever? Uh, yeah. No, I'm okay. Oh, that's a great way of thinking about it, Hank. The only things with temperature... Are things that uh, have always had a temperature,
1: right? If you have a temperature, you can't you can't go from having a temperature to not having a temperature.
0: Correct. Mm. You also can't, interestingly, go from not having a temperature to having a temperature.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, like. So energy. technically, Maya, neither you nor me has a temperature because whatever makes us us isn't in this body, but it also is, so it does also have a temperature. So it's so I, both. Well, and.
1: John, I've gotten I've gotten to the point where I think you can take something that has no temperature and give it a temperature. How's that? You just have to turn it from energy into a particle through a nuclear reaction of some kind. So, oh. Okay. So just just energy. Whether okay. that's a photon or an electron, I think on their own, they don't really have heat. It's only when they're moving. Well, no, because they're not, they are a vector for heat, but they are not heat. Because mm. to be hot, I mm-hmm. think you have to be an atom. <laughs> I don't think like a neutron on its own yeah. or a proton on its own can be hot. Sure, Sure. But I'm not okay. sure.
0: So... <laughs> We don't really know the answer, but when you say to be hot, you have to be an atom. Are you thinking more of like an Adam Sandler, or are you thinking more of like uh, like helium?
1: (laughs) Everyone knows. (laughs) Just I. (sighs) Do you
0: ever see a joke and it's irresistible to you, even though you know it's bad (laughs) and you know it's not worth anyone's effort, and you you did it anyway? You you still can't not go there. That's like oh, a, yeah, that's the ultimate a whole human story, like going to a place we know we shouldn't visit and where we won't have a good time and no one yeah. will benefit, but we're like, right, I <sighs> ah, still kind of want to go. So to summarize, things have temperature, but only things that are
1: made out of things. Correct. And this next question, it leads into that, is from Sierra, who asks Dear Brothers Green, why is space? not hot. If energy from the sun travels through space and heats the Earth, how is space cold? Wouldn't it make sense for the space between the sun and the Earth to also be warm? Not the soda or the mountains. Sierra. Sierra. Mm. Yes. Amazing, amazing point. John, I did not know this and I had to look it up. Yeah. The space around Earth, so like in the same orbit as Earth, the, the particles in space, of which are very spaced apart, um, are what temperature? Fifty degrees Fahrenheit. Really? So like, not particularly warm, but not cold. Like fifty's no. great. I'd 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 uh, do a I'd, little I'd love, for,
0: for, I'd love to spend the weekend up there. Actually, I mean it's miserable <laughs> here in Indianapolis. give me some oxygen. I'll head right up Damn. there.
1: So uh, so space is inhospitable for a lot of reasons, um, but one of the things about this is that—so those particles are heating up, but then they are radiating their heat away. Um, so there is—the equilibrium that they have, a re- like, nearby Earth is 50 degrees. It's more than that closer to the sun. It's less than that farther from the sun. Um, but space is cold mostly uh, for uh, two reasons. One, if you're in the shadow of anything, all of that— Uh, All those particles immediately radiates its heat away, and it becomes very cold if there's nothing heating it up. So it very quickly cools down. Um, But mostly when we talk about how cold space is, we mean like interstellar space. So like the vast majority of space is very far away from stars, and that space is very cold. But our like solar system space, especially in the inner solar system, isn't cold. It's just, it's, it's not cold. Now, it's also mm. uh, n- not very much stuff, so it can't heat you up or cool you down very easily. Right. So if you were in space, uh, you would not feel hot or cold because, you like, your body would not be able to get rid of its heat very efficiently. What you do feel, though, is your body would heat up very quickly because of the radiation of the sun. So actually in space, the problem is oftentimes managing heat um, because the sun hits you uh, and you do not have a way to radiate that that heat away uh, as quickly as like an individual little particle on its own would. So you heat up very quickly and in fact would experience lots of negative consequences from that heat.
0: So I can't spend the weekend in near Earth orbit warming up no. a little
1: No. You know, there, there's, there's better places, easier to get to, easier mm. to get to places where you could have a nice warm, warm time. That reminds me, actually, Hank, that of this
0: question from Ellie, who writes, Dear John and Hank, if all humans lived in one city, how big would that city be? Like, could we all fit into <laughs> France or would we need a city that's like as big as the United States for us to all fit into? I know mm. this wouldn't work practically. That's true. Um, but I still wonder if there would be some kind of consequence, like how what it would mean for the planet. Peanut butter and Ellie. So cute. So so Hank, what do you think, if all of humanity lived in a city with the density of, say, New York City, how big mm-hmm. do you think it would take to make that city? And then what about if it were like the density of, say, a more suburban American city like Houston?
1: Um, well, so I, I actually decided to go ahead and do the math on this one. If if it's Manhattan and not New York City, yeah, the density— is about 75,000 people per square mile, which is both a lot and not that much. Not that much like, really. Yeah, but it's a, it's a lot though. Um and yeah. in fact the the if you count like whole city boundaries, that's about the densest city that we have, which I think is Manila, which is 75,000 people per square mile. Um in in a whole whole city. So Manhattan has ways in which like I don't think that the scale of Manhattan would work because obviously people Live outside of Manhattan and and commute, commute in to, right. to to do a lot of the services there. So, um, but but if you did this, the city, if it was the density of Manhattan, would be about the size of Wyoming, which is about half the size of France. So you could have a much less dense city than Manhattan, more like the density of New York City as a whole, and and have it fit in France, which is really huge. Uh, For a city, like a city the size of Wyoming, being a person who's driven across Wyoming is an upsetting thought, Um, but it's also less than half a percent of the Earth's surface.
0: Yeah. You know what this question made me think about, Hank, is that over time, far more people are living in cities. Like if you look at the percentage of people who live in urban areas now versus 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago the the trend has has really only gone in one direction for a number of mm-hmm. millennia, which does yeah. make it possible to imagine a world where all humans are like, you know what? We are a big problem for the globe <laughs> and we should probably increase our density pretty significantly and have most humans live in a few population centers. Like mm-hmm. that that could happen. I mean there are going to be cities of 50 to 100 million people within a century. And so I don't know. I mean it re- this question really kind of blew my mind a little bit because I started thinking, <laughs> well why don't we all live why don't we make Indianapolis a, a city of 75,000 people per square mile and have 200 million people live in Indiana. Be great for tax revenue.
1: <laughs> I think there'd be some people who wouldn't like it. I looked it up, and uh Houston is is 21 times less dense than than Manhattan. Yeah. So that's a that's a very different number. Yeah. So for, uh, so for you Houston, need a, you need 21 times 21 Wyoming's.
0: Yeah, you would need most of the continental United States to fit all the people in a Houston-sized city in a Houston-dense city. Yeah. So, Hank, do you think it's possible that the percentage of people who live in urban centers will just increase forever, and eventually, most people will live in one of a few cities?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's de- it depends on a couple of things. My guess is that there is a there is a no, there is a reason why that trend reverses in some circumstances. So, like the, so the I'm, I'm taking this question really seriously, and I think that that probably is the right thing to do because I it's very interesting. Is the like the reason why people go to cities? Is it because like we don't know the answer to this question? Yeah. Because there are a lot of reasons why people did it in the past, despite the fact that it was very likely to have a negative impact on their lives.
0: Yeah. Um well, we like, don't really this is one of the great unanswered questions, yeah. in my opinion, in the world of history, is, is why have people chosen to live in cities so many times yeah. when it doesn't really make sense? And I say that as someone who lives in a city, so does Hank, in the sense of you know,
1: not living in a rural
0: community.
1: Yeah. Um, So the, you know, the, the, is there, I think there is an element of, um, of status seeking to it where like, this is like a thing that, that all humans do is like, we want to like be a part of a story, be a part of the, the thing that is happening. And I think that there, there's a piece of it that is that, Mm -hmm. um, and so the question and there's probably there's also an economic piece to it and like the potential of being able to help serve your family back home mm-hmm. um and uh and so the question becomes like will there be a better or bigger way or just an alternative way to uh, go after those same things in the future that do not involve um heading to a place of increased like physical population density. Right. And my feeling is yes. Right. Um, that that there there will just be ways to go after that without um leaving the comfort of the thing that you are already a part of, slash um, you know, leaving behind a, a quality of life that you can't maintain as easily in a city. So So
0: your your argument you know. is that technology may lead to some level of de urbanization.
1: Yes. Well, um, though I, I, th- think- I don't think that it means that. Uh, I, I think that it means less for maybe big, big, big cities. Maybe not. Yeah, we're um, just like slower growth. But right. I think it means more for smaller cities that have a lot of the same services, but don't have uh, th- that provides sort of a more specific um, vibe to th- that people w- will be wanting. Yeah.
0: I will say that the urbanization rate over the last fifteen years has been incredibly stable, at least according to <laughs> our World and Data. It, yeah, and the rural population of Earth is is pretty much flat. Like in two thousand one, mm-hmm. there were three point two billion people living in rural areas, and now there are three point four. And in that time, the urbanization the urban population has gone up by like over a billion people. So it's been steady so far, but I agree with you that we don't really know the long-term consequences of any of our technology revolutions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it does, it, it feels different, but doesn't everything, basically. Yeah, yeah.
0: And every other time people were freaking out about, technological change they were on some level wrong i try yeah, to remind but, but myself about that as are, i freak yeah. out about
1: it <laughs> there's also like things that are right um usually they're they're wrong about why it's a big deal but it oftentimes it is actually a quite a big deal right it's just very complicated um yes. like the like the human interface with with technology especially communications technologies is very complicated
0: yeah, this is a weird thing. a weird it's we're inside of your ears right now. Yeah. Like I don't want to call attention to how weird that is, but that's super weird. <laughs> like you're doing something that we don't know about, and uh-huh. we are in your you put us in your ears.
1: Oh no, I don't like it.
0: Which reminds me actually that today's <laughs> podcast, which and, well, apparently we're not answering any questions, is <laughs> <It's laughs> brought to you by your ears. Your ears.
1: You put us in there. Oh, gosh. This podcast is also brought to you by things that don't have heat. (laughs) Things that don't have heat. They include almost all of the ideas. And, of course,
0: today's podcast is brought to you by Weenisks. Weenisks. Weenisks.
1: Weenisks. (laughs) Weenisks.
0: It's almost like the okay, okay thing from the Fault in Our Stars.
1: Their tagline is Weenisks? Weenisks. (laughs) Weenisks. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by a Wyoming-sized Manhattan. I don't know Uh why, but it really upsets me to think about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Blueland is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean that you're used to. Blueland products are effective and affordable, and their toilet tablets are proven to work on a wide range of toilet stains, including rust, mineral deposits, lime scale, and hard water. And you can even get more savings by buying refills in bulk or setting up a subscription. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash Hank for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash Hank to get 15% off. Hank, I want to try to steer us toward a slightly more serious direction, just briefly, to answer this question from Anonymous, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I've been having an ongoing disagreement with my parents about restrictions they put on my life. I really need to talk to them about it and reach some sort of reconciliation, but whenever I broach the subject, they always seem extremely hurt. How do I address this issue without making my mm-hmm. parents feel bad? I really want to disagree with them, but every time I do that, I just feel awful and guilty. So how do I do it gently? Sorry for kind of a heavy question. Sincerely, Anonymous. This is not easy. But Hank. Yeah. You remember when we had Ryan Reynolds on the podcast? Yes. And he was like, when you're in conflict with somebody, mm-hmm. uh, you need to listen and understand their perspective and mirror their perspective back to them and empathize with them and validate their perspective. And then. Only then, once you really deeply understand their perspective and are able to mirror it back to them so that you're able to express what they're saying and they're able to hear that you're hearing what they're saying, only then do you ask Mm -hmm. them to do you the same favor and and listen to your perspective? Yes. That is like a cheat code. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's hard to do too cuz like why like it's, it's very so hard, hard to not to escalate in yes. in general because we always kind of think more of our pain than other people's N- not always but it's re- very easy to do and uh and and because of that like we don't know the anxieties or the f- or the the um you know, insecurities or fears of another person. And so we, uh, so we amplify ours and, and discredit theirs. And so that that is the reason why this is so powerful because it is kind of unnatural to do, to give those right. other people that, that space and that um, credit to be like, I will take, I will do this work and it is a lot of work. So it sounds like you're a pretty emotionally intelligent uh thoughtful person having written uh, that that uh that version of that question there are a lot of less empathetic versions of that question mm-hmm. um so uh, so so probably this is something that you can do at the same time there are sometimes I don't and I don't know because I have a 5 year old so I don't know where I come down on this but like there are times when there are rules, and you have to live inside of rules that you don't like.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's part of living in a family that can be difficult, especially when you're a kid, especially when you're a kid who is now a grown-up but is also still someone's kid. And so, I don't. I, this person didn't say how old they were, so I don't. I don't know any of that. But I, I for me, when this stuff gets addressed well. It begins with, "Hey, I really under, I really want to understand why these restrictions are in place, and what's driving them for you, because if you can understand what they're afraid of and what their insecurities are and what they what they want, um, and you can really understand it and empathize with it and validate it, you know that isn't a guarantee." that mm-hmm. they're going to listen to your perspective but it is a good first step um at least in my experience
1: yeah i mean i i hope so much that my child can do that for me someday cuz right now he cannot
0: <laughs> right yeah no i mean right now uh yeah i mean even even now like my kids are uh, are pretty mature and and relatively grown up for their age but you know of course like i'm doing a lot more listening than I'm doing being listened to. And that's appropriate. (laughs) Like that's, you know, it would be weird if that weren't the case, you know? Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: So, and I, that's the other thing is you like, it's hard to remember this, but there's some conflict in a parent child relationship. That's just developmentally appropriate to adolescence. Oh yeah. And like we had great parents and I annoyed the crap out of them and they annoyed the crap out of me when I was sixteen. And that wasn't because they weren't great parents or because I wasn't a good kid. It was because that was developmentally appropriate.
1: Yeah. You gotta you gotta stretch against a boundary. You gotta, yeah that's that's you know, you gotta that uh, otherwise you don't know where they are.
0: Yeah. And it's exhausting for parents to try to maintain those boundaries and exhausting yeah. for kids to feel like they have to push up against them all the time and like Oof, that's oh man, that's yeah. that's hard. Um, And the other thing that I would recommend if it's really serious is saying to your parents, like, I would like to include someone else in this conversation. Like, I would like to, you know, talk to a therapist or, you know, have have somebody else we trust try to mediate this for us, because I don't think we're in a good place right now.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Um, John, I have three responses to things that I want to get to. Okay, well, you're ready the, for this, them? Was the,
0: this was the this was the no question episode and I really enjoyed it after the no we cut episode. We had we the no did question four episode. questions.
1: <laughs> we did, we did fine. These are these are all kinds of questions. Um, this one is from Christian who asks Dear Hank and John. Uh, I come to you in tears. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. No, oh, geez. I don't know why. Uh, Christian, I think you are unnecessarily worried. I was pooping and listening to the podcast and there was a segment on the James Webb Space Telescope and you mentioned that everyone who was working on it is so relieved. So from that statement, I infer that at one point the government hired a lot of smart people to create this telescope. But where are they now? What happened to them after they were done building this telescope? Were they fired? Are they out of the job? Can you give them a job? Pumpkins and penguins, Christian. Um, the great thing about working on a on a on a the one of the greatest engineering achievements uh, so far of humans is it's pretty easy to get a job. Uh your next job comes along and uh it's not hard to get it as a highly skilled engineer who has built a space telescope.
0: That is good. So just want, want okay. to take that so you just weight, to, off, you Christian. just wanted to kind of calm that person down, say the tears are unwarranted, everybody is doing okay.
1: Yeah, unless the tears were just something else.
0: Maybe it was just a bit of relief that the telescope was in the air combined with it would be a big bummer to be like, hey, congrats on the telescope building. You're fired.
1: (laughs) And of course, a lot of these people continue to work on on it. um, Yeah, there's other stuff to work on.
0: Yeah. 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 It's a long mission, hopefully.
1: This one, this response comes from Val who asks, Dear Hank and John, I'm so confused. I was listening to your episode with Ryan Reynolds and you implied that paper routes are a thing of the past. I'm on my paper mm. route right now mm. with my German uh, mother during the German winter. Didn't actually say my German mother. Uh, <laughs> this <is> implied. <laughs> my mother is a mail lady and I help her do it. Do people in America not have mail people anymore? How do you get your letters and your newspapers? So Val, in America... We, we still do have people who deliver mail, for sure, and yeah. also the newspaper, but the newspaper is delivered by a separate person who mm-hmm. works for the newspaper, not the mail people. Right. And I never thought about how weird this was until this moment. Me neither. It is weird. Why would we do it that way? Just give it I- to the mail people to do it. I'm sure there's a
0: reason, but I don't know what it is. Maybe it's so that we can get the newspaper faster. Faster. you know. That seems like very same American. same day, they, yeah. it gets printed at three o'clock in the morning and it's on your doorstep by five o'clock in the morning. And so you right. need and it's a like, separate system of delivery. This is the, this is the news from right.
1: now, right, right now. Yes. If you're going to base your business decisions on this, you need to know what's going on right this instant. Business, America. but and now we're like, that's instant. not good enough.
0: Not, yeah, not this instant, like six hours ago.
1: Yeah, um, which which used to be like right up to the moment. And now we're like, no, 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 no. I need to know what's going on before there anybody has any idea what's going on.
0: <laughs> I need to know if there's going to be a war
1: three weeks before the war starts <laughs> or. I want to be really worried about yes. something that might not happen and that I yes. can't control.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. I want to recreate the experience that John had for three months before COVID started where John (laughs) was constantly, ceaselessly worried that there might be a global disease pandemic and yet at the same time did absolutely nothing to prepare Mm. for the possibility that there might be a global (laughs) disease pandemic. That's the vibe that I'm going for in my news. Yeah. I'm such a little squirrel.
1: I'm such a big one. Just doing squirrel stuff. Just like a massive North American ground squirrel.
0: Squirreling away my acorns and worrying over them, but not doing anything to protect them. Just a tiny little squirrel frantically running about thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die. Yeah, you also run. And I never I do. do that. Like just squ- like squirrels and like marmots. Like a squirrel. And you never yeah. see, you. sometimes I would see <laughs> the groundhog lightly jogging, you know? Sure. Like, yeah. I would run toward it, like waving a broom or whatever yeah. and screaming, and it would sort of look up from the edamame and be like, oh, hello again. And then it would sort of be like, ah, oh, God, I guess just to like honor this person's anger, I will lightly jog back to the shed.
1: Yeah. You know what's so, so squirrel is calling your soybeans edamame, which (laughs) I would never do that.
0: No, I mean but they are edamame, Hank, because
1: they once you they're edamame once you cook them and sprinkle like no, crushed no, no, rock salt on no, them.
0: No, 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 no. When you spend seven dollars growing a single pot of soybeans, that's the definition of edamame.
1: That's no, it's a it's soybeans until it's prepared and then no, it's over. No, no, no.
0: It's how much did it cost to make that single pot of soybeans? And if it's over a oh, dollar, it's edamame. That's the definition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I have one more, John. It's also about the James Webb Space Telescope. Great. For Andre, who asks I was listening to this week's episode of the pod, and during the Mars News, Hank mentioned that the telescope has 18 mirrors, all of which focus themselves. What? Now, yeah. I could be wrong here, but I was under the impression that mirrors were inanimate objects, at least the ones that I am looking at. Uh, my eyes are the things that do the focusing, not the mirrors. Not a Hepburn, Audrey. Um, P.S. Sorry, AFC Wimbledon is sucking right now. Um, Fair enough. So it, in, fa- in fact, the mirrors do the focusing on the James Webb Space Telescope, and each of them does it in their own way uh, in, in two different ways. So one, they can move themselves like up, down, side, side, so that they just pivot a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they can also actually change their concavity. So they can like very slightly, but just a little bit, even though there's very sh- large, strong mirrors, they can uh, they can change the, their shape a little bit to do the focusing. Basically like eyeglasses that would work for more than one person um, would be mm. the the analogy there. And uh, it's and so they don't focus themselves, though, like the scientists, uh, you know, sort of know where like they're right now, you know, they're doing a bunch of tests to figure out exactly the right shape for all of the mirrors to be in it. And uh, and then they they focus them and each one focuses has its own like set of motors that control its exact alignment and its exact focus. And it, they, they are tremendously precise little motors. And uh, that step has been accomplished. Um, at least the like initial uh, part of getting them all aligned correctly. And now they're going through and making sure they can get a really good image for us, which will be coming in the coming months. Wow.
0: Wow. Well, what? that's really cool. Would you like to hear the news from AFC Wimbledon, Hank? Um yes. You know Ryan Reynolds? No. Do I? <laughs> you know Ryan Reynolds, Hank? Ryan Reynolds, our friend. Our fr- I think, yes. it's, I think it's fair to yeah, call he's, Ryan he's Reynolds up, our friend. He's come up already
1: in this Our acquaintance,
0: is. Ryan Reynolds. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's our life coach, Ryan Reynolds. My former friend, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reynolds yeah. just bought AFC Wimbledon's best striker, Ollie Palmer. <gasps> no! Are you joking? No, I'm not. What?
1: I'm not, (laughs) I'm not joking at all. Oh my God. This is, that is cruel. John, how do you, you have to get Ryan Reynolds rich so she can buy him back. (laughs) That's true. The
0: next five years of my life is all going to be motivated purely by cash. (laughs) With the hopes of eventually there's, having enough cash to Ollie Palmer. Not even cash. It's just Ollie Palmer. Palmer.
1: Every every wor- piece of work you do, you're gonna think of in units of Ollie Palmer. It's like, well, this is this yeah. is one 342nd of an Ollie Palmer, so it's yeah. worth doing.
0: Yeah, like there's a movie uh, contract currently on, on my desk, not to. Um, <laughs> But it's not a Ryan Reynolds movie contract. I'll tell you that <laughs> it's uh, it's barely worth one Ollie Palmer. Uh, yeah. Golly, gee, I yeah. So Ollie Palmer is apparently headed for Wrexham. Uh, oh, no. We're getting a lot of money for him, which is great. But uh, like, he just scored a goal for us yesterday, and uh, so I'm a little bit. V- v- and you nice. needed that goal. That was an important goal. We needed that goal because, as it turns out, as as usually happens when AFC Wimbledon go 1-0 one, one up, uh, we were about to concede. So we ended up <laughs> tying against Burton 1-1. Before that two consecutive nil nil draws before that a one nil loss against the franchise currently playing a trade in Milton Keynes which Oof. means that we went a total of about nine hours between uh goals which to me and I, listen I'm not a I'm not a s- soccer guy but to me it makes it seem like maybe we shouldn't sell our striker <laughs> but
1: <laughs>
0: but we did Can you buy another one I well I, I, <laughs> I hope so uh because currently as you know Hank it is, it is very important for the success of any football team to have in, in the, the, the attacking group one big bottom small, which is a, yep. a smaller person with a yep. bigger bottom, and one <laughs> small bottom big, which is a bigger person with a smaller bottom.
1: Uh huh.
0: Ollie Palmer was an excellent small bottom big. And I, I don't know where we're going to find a, another one like him. So one, six, one.
1: <laughs> And you are very small-bottomed. <laughs> yeah, that was leaving that part unsaid. The uh <laughs> Yeah,
0: I mean I just have the I feel like Here's you, what I, I think, John. As Here's a striker would be very very bad. And I say that with with all due respect, you're too much of a groundhog. Way too much That's, of a groundhog.
1: Yeah, no. I I th- I think I I I think I would bring everyone down with me, um, I have a tendency when on a soccer field to hurt myself and others. That's my, that's my experience from the last 10 years, at least. Um, here's what I think happened, John. I think Ryan Reynolds came on our podcast and he was like, those people were so lovely. What can I do for them? And then he was like, I can way overpay for Ollie Palmer. And now AFC Woman is going to have so much money that they're going to be able to get a big bottom big. Or whatever is the best thing,
0: maybe, maybe. Oh, I can't. Anyway, best wishes to Ollie Palmer, who's gonna apparently get a big raise to go play in the fifth wow. tier of English football instead of the third tier. Uh, I do wish it him the best. Like a real
1: Ryan Reynolds move.
0: He's not a he's not a young man, so you cannot begrudge anybody right, yeah. in professional football getting a big payday. I I hope that it all works out well for him i mean he's certainly the kind of player that will just dominate the national league so oh i wish him all the best but i'm so i who's gonna score our goals hopefully just a <laughs> yubasal i mean I, maybe a yubasal was about to just, just have a breakout
1: yeah just, just jump it onto a yub yeah get it to yeah. him and he'll he'll do the rest I mean, he is a special
0: player. I'm not sure that he's a 30-goal special player, but <laughs> anyway, anyway, I guess we can still be friends, Ryan Reynolds.
1: <laughs> you tweeted about this one minute ago.
0: I did while I was
1: talking to you. <laughs> You're just muttering remarkable. away. Yeah. Um, well, in Mars news, Ryan Reynolds, no. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> 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 the damned if he didn't buy the Perseverance rover. <laughs> so uh, it is It is rover news. So first of all, Percy has gotten the pebbles out. Hooray. Yes. Success. I'm going to do that as a— sh- That would normally be a full Mars news, but there is other Mars news. For example— Carbon is a really great element. It does a fantastic job of bonding to stuff. Uh, But carbon comes in multiple flavors. You got uh, different isotopes. You got carbon-12, which has six protons and six neutrons. You got carbon-13 that has six protons and seven neutrons. Other flavors. But like we know that carbon exists in a really static, uh, quantity of of isotope of isotopic ratios. So like the ratio of carbon 12 to carbon 13 is a really steady thing except when it comes to living things. Um so in our bodies we have way more carbon 12 than is in the natural environment. So like i not more like a greater ratio of carbon 12 because that extra neutron actually gets in the way of uh bonding with all of the fancy carbon chemistry that we do. So it makes Mm -hmm. the chemistry a little bit slower. And so we use it less. Uh, It's just like, it's not like a decision that life uh, makes as much as it is just like a thing that happens because when you're doing a bunch of like complicated carbon chemistry, there's less uptake of carbon-13. And so a living body has a higher proportion of carbon-12 to carbon-13. Recently, uh, and that goes for a body, it also goes for a bacteria. Recently, the, Persever- or the Curiosity rover did an analysis of isotopic ratios of some dirt on Mars, and it found a really like surprisingly high concentration of carbon twelve to carbon thirteen, different from other areas of Mars. It is measured, and is like, what is up with this? Whoa. And the if we found that on Earth, wow. we'd be like, oh, yeah, Dude, that- because that rock has a bunch of life in it because there's a Whoa. bunch of, like, old life that's fossilized in there. Well, Let me let, Mars me let me just cut and- you
0: off real quick, Hank. <laughs> yeah. This is actually bigger news than Ryan Reynolds buying our striker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a big news week. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is this is the first time I've been like, whoa! The, the news from Mars is way more important than the news from AFC Wimbledon this week. Our news is that so, we scored our first goal in nine hours. Your your news is that like, wow, that's a lot of carbon twelve to carbon thirteen for uh, a cold dead rock.
1: Yeah. So um, the there are other com- theories about why this could happen, and. Uh, we're gonna and, and weird and unfortunately they are all sort of like consistent with the experimental results. So like you can you can imagine other ways for this carbon twelve isotopic ratio to happen, but it's a very intriguing clue uh, and would is definitely creates opportunity and interest for further scrutiny uh, and more study of of this particular area of Mars. So that's neat. And I feel like f- flew under the radar, maybe because like isotopic ratios are uh, l- like just like one step too complicated, but I like it's not that complicated. And the, yeah, the implications are there uh, wow. and, it's, and people are very, very interested in that.
0: That is really interesting, Hank. It makes me feel like we should be in a hurry to get to Mars. Like we... <laughs> we need to find out if there's a different way that life can form because if it is if there is that would be the biggest discovery
1: s- ever so far <laughs> i mean you know it's 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 interesting it it's both big and small it it's big in that it has massive implications for our story of the universe but it's small in that it like doesn't really have massive implications for you know, Tuesday. Um, and right. that's, that's so it's such an such an interesting thing where where like our deepening knowledge of the universe uh, exists alongside really important problems that we have to face here on earth, uh, making sure that everybody has what they need and that we have a future that is more stable rather than less stable for people and et cetera. Yeah, and so, uh, not only that, yeah.
0: I mean, but on Tuesday, AFC Wimbledon play Ipswich Town. Also, that is important. You know?
1: And, and, uh, we'll be unaffected by the existence of life on Mars.
0: Unless, um... <laughs> 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 unless Ryan Reynolds <laughs> makes a last-second yeah. <laughs> decision to yeah. put all of his wealth into Mars exploration efforts and cancels the deal for Ollie Palmer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Oh, what
1: a big mm. news in Mars and AFC Wimbledon week. This big. I can't believe it was of all of the fifth tier soccer teams. It's weird. Well, it's it's feels, not that weird. it feels intentional.
0: They, they are the only rich fifth tier soccer team. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: The only one that is owned by uh, some Hollywood fancy pants who's very good at conflict resolution. John, thank you for making a podcast with me today. It's been a pleasure. It's, uh, been, this it's been a wild
0: one. I mean, I, I feel yeah, like, I feel like the people are hearing uh, half of what we
1: said. Yeah, <laughs> so we didn't do a great job. We did
0: not do. We didn't. It wasn't our
1: best work. Um, but um, here we are. Here we are. If you want to email us your questions so that we can continue to have a podcast, we love them very much, Uh, even if we don't get to all of them. You can email us at hankandjohn at gmail.com. That's the email address. Uh, um, we're off to record our Patreon-only podcast this weekend stuff, where we talk about things that are enjoyable to us right now. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tuna It's produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Julia Bloom. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Trakravardi. The music you're hearing now is by the Great Gunnarola, And as they say in our hometown, don't forget to be awesome.